Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for participating in today's conference call to discuss Points International's financial results for the fourth quarter and full year ended December 31, 2020. Delivering today's prepared remarks are Chief Executive Officer Rob McLean, President Christopher Barnard, and Chief Financial Officer Eric Georgiou. Following their prepared remarks, the management team will open the call up for any questions. Before we go further, I would like to turn the call over to Sean Mansuri of Gateway Investor Relations, Points International's IR advisor, as he reads the company's safe harbor that provides important cautions regarding forward-looking statements. Sean, please go ahead. Thank you. Please be reminded that the remarks on this conference call may contain or refer to forward-looking statements within the meaning of Canadian and U.S. securities laws. Management may also make additional forward-looking statements in response to your questions. Although management believes these forward-looking statements are reasonable, such statements are not guarantees of future performance or action and are subject to important risks and uncertainties that are difficult to predict. Certain material assumptions are applied in making forward-looking statements and may not prove to be correct. Important factors that could cause actual results to differ materially and the assumptions used in making such statements were included in our fourth quarter and full year 2020 financial results press release issued prior to this call, as well as other documents filed with the Canadian and U.S. securities regulators. Except as required by law, the company does not undertake any obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. With that, I'll turn the call over to Points' Chief Executive Officer, Rob McLean. Rob? Thanks, Sean, and good afternoon, everyone. Even as the pandemic continues to challenge our broader industry, we have closed out 2020 on solid footing. We delivered sequential improvements across all key financial metrics during the fourth quarter, including a 49% sequential increase in gross profit off the back of stronger promotional activity with our partners. Further, we generated positive adjusted EBITDA for the quarter and the full year. Throughout 2020, our team remained focused on creating value for our partners and ensuring that we are optimally positioned for travel's long-term recovery. Our team's dedication has allowed points to remain resilient within the most difficult market environment imaginable. As our travel and hospitality partners navigate this new landscape, they are leveraging the long-term value inherent in their loyalty programs. In addition to certain travel operators using their loyalty programs as collateral for debt financings through 2020, The Wall Street Journal recently reported that U.S. airlines are enhancing their loyalty programs to broaden their demographic reach and offer members additional benefits outside of travel. With new program features spanning virtual exercise subscriptions, e-book capabilities, and a shifting emphasis from miles traveled to how much members spend, loyalty programs are expanding the ways in which their members can flexibly earn, redeem, and spend their miles particularly among millennial and Gen Z customers. We view these changes, which enhance the overall utility of the world's largest loyalty currencies, as favorable for the broader industry 
which further strengthens our belief that loyalty, loyalty will be at the forefront of a travel recovery. Given their size and flexibility, loyalty programs offer tremendous value for travel operators in both the near and long term, even while travel itself remains broadly challenged around the world. As the travel industry evolves during, the following, during and following the pandemic, loyalty programs have an inherent adaptability from which travelers and operators alike can benefit. As we support our partners through this time, we have maintained our focus on leveraging the flexibility of our loyalty commerce platform to grow and support their members' engagement. Our successes in 2020 deepened several long-term partnerships, launched new relationships, broadened our geographic reach, and allowed us to optimize the suite of services we already have in market through enhanced and automated merchandising strategies. During Q4 alone, we launched three new loyalty program partnerships into market and expanded services for six existing partners, spanning not only our core buy, gift, and transfer solutions, but also new and innovative premium capabilities. This expansion to our network of services includes monthly mileage earning subscriptions we recently implemented for United Airlines and our new Delta Choice product with Delta Airlines. With the adaptability and resilience of our platform, we have continued to deliver on the strategy we laid out in 2019. And with these new partners and products launched during 2020, we have increased our products deployed footprint more than 10% in the past year alone. This increase in revenue generating capacity is very encouraging and will help to accelerate the growth of the company as travel recovers. Christopher will provide more detail on our current and upcoming initiatives later in the call. As our company enters its 21st year of operations, I'm confident in the comprehensive platform we've built and in our continued focus on building our business. From the onset of the pandemic last year to where we sit today, we've taken proactive actions to ensure that our workforce remains safe and intact and that we were well capitalized to respond to industry-wide volatility. We've worked diligently to build a resilient operational and financial foundation and enhance our positioning for travel's inevitable recovery. And we look forward to continuing this work into 2021. I'll now hand it over to Eric to review our financial performance for the fourth quarter and full year. And then Christopher will provide some additional highlights and perspective on our partner activity. Eric? Thanks, Rob. And good good afternoon, everyone. Unless noted otherwise, all figures on today's call are in U.S. dollars and presented in accordance with IFRS. Our financial performance and year-over-year comps in the fourth quarter continued to be heavily impacted by COVID-19. With that said, we were pleased with our fourth quarter financial results given the challenging macro environment as we drove strong sequential top-line growth while generating positive adjusted EBITDA and positive cash flow in the quarter. Top-line revenue in the fourth quarter of 2020 increased sequentially to $56.4 million compared to $37.4 million in Q3, but was down from $107 million in the year-ago quarter. Gross profit was $8.5 million for the fourth quarter. While this remained down from $17.6 million in the prior year quarter due to the impact of COVID-19, Gross profit increased 49% compared to $5.7 million in Q3 2020. This increase 
reflects the aforementioned strength in our promotional activity and the resulting consumer response throughout the quarter. As Rob noted, we had a busy fourth quarter from a deployment perspective. And while these launches had a relatively small impact during the fourth quarter, we would expect the contribution from these launches to ramp up over time. Adjusted operating expenses in the fourth quarter came in at 8.2 million compared to 6.9 million in Q3 and decreased compared to 10.6 million in Q4 2019 as we continued to aggressively manage costs. In Q4, we recognized 1.2 million related to the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program compared to 1.8 million in the third quarter. As I mentioned on our last conference call, this expected reduction in our Q4 subsidy amount relative to Q3 is largely a reflection of the Canadian government's funding formula for the program. In addition, the government has officially extended this subsidy program until June 2021, and we expect to remain eligible for funding up to this date. With this as context and excluding the benefit of any wage subsidies, our fourth quarter adjusted operating expenses were slightly elevated relative to Q3 levels in line with usual quarterly cadence on operating expenses historically. Adjusted EBITDA for the fourth quarter increased sequentially to 360,000 compared to negative 1.1 million in Q3 and 7.2 million in the year ago quarter. The sequential increase was due to the aforementioned increase in our quarterly gross profit. As Rob mentioned earlier, we were adjusted EBITDA positive for the full year and have so far navigated the COVID-19 pandemic at near break-even levels. While we are encouraged by this performance, we will continue to take a cautious view on our near-term results and recognize the effects of periodic fluctuations in our activity levels quarter to quarter. Total funds available, which included borrowings on our credit facility, were approximately $79 million at the end of the fourth quarter, compared to approximately $68 million at the end of the third quarter. Our end of Q4 balance includes a $15 million drawdown on our credit facility. From a guidance perspective, we are not in a position to provide an annual outlook at this time, given the current environment and limited visibility. However, we remain committed to prudent cost management across our business and to bolstering our strong financial foundation to support our team and partners. And with that, I'll turn it over to Christopher. Chris? Thanks, Eric. As we navigated 2020's challenging environment, we maintained focus on our three core growth drivers. We've worked to create new relationships with additional loyalty programs around the globe, expand and deepen our current partnerships by launching net new services with many, and continue to op optimize and expand the services we currently have in market through automated and enhanced merchandising efforts. During the year, we made progress on all three drivers and have improved our position for future growth as the recovery continues. During the fourth quarter, we officially launched several net new partnerships. In November, we launched a suite of LCR services with Caribbean Airlines, following or allowing Caribbean Miles members to buy, gift, and transfer their miles through a more personalized user experience. This new partnership was facilitated by our deepening strategic partnership with Amadeus, and we look forward to expanding our Caribbean service over time as we further integrate our offerings with Amadeus' loyalty, reservation, and merchandising technologies. In December, 
We also deployed our buy, gift, and transfer LCR services to Ethiopian Airlines, making our first services launched with an African partner and another joint success with Amadeus. This launch provides members of Ethiopian Airlines' Sheba Miles loyalty program with access to benefits such as ability to purchase miles online, which was previously only available offline, and the new option to gift or transfer miles to friends and family members. Further, it builds on the progress we have made this year in deepening and expanding our international presence, first through our previously announced partnership with Qatar Airlines, and now through solidifying our global presence with partners headquartered on every major continent. We're confident that our focus on successfully launching new services into market throughout 2020 will fuel long-term value, even if they do not initially perform at historical levels. As we deploy these initial services for new partners, we have also continued to advance our existing partnerships. In the fourth quarter, we added our transfer and reinstate capabilities to our existing suite of services for Air Canada's Aeroplan. These launches follow the successful launch of our buy and gift services with Air Canada earlier in the year amid the global travel pause. The initial launch promotion we ran for them in Q2 still serves as our most successful and highly trafficked single-day promotion in our company's history. Additionally, we expanded our Radisson Hotels partnership with the introduction of a new inline top-up service. We initially launched with this leading hospitality partner back in 2017 when the brand was known as Carlson Hotels. These launches are a couple of great examples of how our core services continue to create incremental value for our loyalty program partners. To further elaborate on, an, on a theme that Rob mentioned earlier, we've also been adaptive and innovative with net new service offerings made available on our network. For example, during the fourth quarter, we launched the Delta Choice platform, our premium customer service program for Delta Airlines. We also deployed a new monthly subscription option for United Airlines, providing loyalty members the ability to earn miles on a recurring basis throughout the year. These were both on the heels of a third quarter launch of our new Accelerate Anything service with Alaska Airlines mileage plan, providing members the ability to boost their prior earnings, including miles earned on credit card spend and other retail activity. We are seeing strong interest from our partner network in this innovative new FinTech service, and look forward to sharing further developments on this initiative over the coming quarters. Looking forward, we continue to focus on expanding the network of services that we have available to help our loyalty programs further engage with their members. Many of these have proven valuable <clears throat> during more robust travel periods. So even though current uh, volumes may be lagging historical performance, we will benefit from having more of these services operational as the industry rebounds and as they revert to proven historical performance. Additionally, we're adding services that offer new ways to engage loyalty program members in today's environment that are not linked to immediate travel, but more to ongoing regular member engagement. As the nature of travel and our partners' needs continue to change, We've been able to adapt our services and create new offerings to drive value during both peak and restricted travel periods. On both the corporate and customer level, loyalty programs add tremendous value and expanded optionality as the travel industry works towards long-term recovery. We remain confident in the important role loyalty programs will continue to play in this recovery, as well as enduring and comprehensive power our network of services offers to enhance these programs' value even further. As our pipeline grows and we continue to focus on launching new service and adding new partners to our roster in 2021, 
our long-term growth drivers remain as the core to our strategy. We are committed to maximizing the performance of our in-market services, cross-selling to existing partners, and signing new partnerships across new verticals and geographies. We've already made solid progress with executing our strategy and strengthening our network throughout the most difficult year we have faced in our company's history. We look forward to building on this work and further positioning ourselves for accelerated growth in 2021 and beyond. Operator, we'll now open up for questions. Thank you, sir. At this time, we'll be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. That's a star key followed by the number one key on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate that your line is in the question queue. You may press the star key followed by the number two if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we pull for questions. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Our first question comes from Gary Presapino with Barrington Research. Please state your question. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Hope all is well. Um, couple Gary. of questions here. Um, versus uh, Q3 uh, and Q4 showed a sequential increase in revenues. And I, I think one of the comments was that with the new business, you signed up with the three airlines. There was very little revenue in there. So. It, can we assume that it, it was just more of a promotional environment, or did vis-a-vis Q3, did you guys see a, a, you know some kind of sequential pickup in the industry overall, the travel industry? Yeah, sure. Hey, Gary, it's Eric here. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assumption. I think what we're seeing right now from a quarterly cadence standpoint is mostly driven by marketing campaigns. Um, you know, we had a great year in terms of launching net new products and partners in, into market. I'd say most of those launches are obviously on a, on a COVID dollar basis and not a pre-COVID dollar basis. So their impact is still there, although much smaller than what uh, we would have had in, um, on a pre-COVID basis. Okay. And then lastly, and I'll let somebody else uh, jumped in, jumped in, and again, I'm not as familiar with the company as others. Is, is Q4 seasonally a a slow period for new business development as far as signing new airlines or hotels or whatever for uh, uh, you know uh, new programs? Uh, Q4, sorry, Gary, it's Rob. Um, no, I, I'd say certainly in in 2020 with COVID, we saw through the course of the year a pretty steady stream of net new business and net new partners joining. I think as I referenced, we expanded our footprint of products deployed by you know, well over 10% just in the year alone. So, you know, 2020 was, was very strong from that standpoint. The fourth quarter, I'd say, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Probably things slow down in a pre-COVID world. Uh, things would slow down from a business development standpoint a little bit in Q4 just because it's an abbreviated period with the holidays, et cetera. Uh, but we certainly didn't see that in 2020. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Greg Gibas with Northland Securities. Please state your question. 
Great. Good afternoon, Rob, Eric, and Chris. Uh, thanks for taking the questions. And um, <clears throat> congrats on the pickup that we saw in Q4 relative to Q3. Um, you know, considering we saw some nice new partnerships with um, Cater, Ethiopian, Caribbean Airlines in 2020, um, you know, a lot of those coming kind of late in the year, too. Uh, was just kind of wondering how you're thinking about the business development progress that can be made going forward here. Um, will it be kind of hard to see similar levels of new partnerships in 2021? And, or, you know, are you pretty confident in the, in the pipeline this year? Yeah, Greg, it's, it's Rob. You know, we've been very pleased with the uh, pipeline through 20, uh, as, as we've art articulated. Uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, the majority of our products and services are really oriented around helping drive profitable uh, revenue for the, for the um, parent companies and the, the various loyalty programs. So we saw, certainly in the, in the depths of COVID, you know, a renewed interest in products and services and relationships that were going to drive revenue uh, and, and profitable revenue in, in short order. Um, that, you know, we, were, we were able to get a lot of those or a bunch of those across the line, but there's still a very robust pipeline in terms of more partners and more expansions of existing relationships that, that were very optimistic. Um, you know, discussions that happened through 2020 will bear, bear uh, fruit uh, here in, in 2021. So, you know, again, we remain optimistic. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity ahead of us just as a company broadly. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be continuing to expand our partnership footprint and our product, product uh, deployment footprint uh, going forward. Okay, great. Yeah, that, that's helpful, Rob, and uh, good to hear as well. Um, you know, how has, and I apologize if I missed this, if Gary already asked this, but um, how has promotional activity for your, from your partners trended thus far in Q1, maybe relative to the promotional activity you saw in Q4? And, you know, I'm just wondering if you can give an update on kind of the campaign activity that you have for the foreseeable future, whether it's, you know, the next couple months or, you know, 60 to 90 days. Yeah, you know, I'd say Q4, as, as Eric explained, was was pretty strong. Uh, obviously, we saw lots of activity uh, there in the Q in the fourth quarter. You know, driving 50% sequential growth. Uh, we were pretty happy about that. You know, I, I, I comment generally. We'll continue to see a, a fairly steady um, cadence in terms of campaign activity. Different partners are at different stages of recovery, obviously, and, and are at different stages of, of having the capacity to run campaign activity and engage their members. So it'll still be a bit choppy. Um, I mean, again, that's not too surprising uh, given uh, where the travel industry is in general. You know, I do think overall uh, one of the things we're dealing with is, is a, a shorter-term uh, uh, sense of visibility. So. You know, we are still, you know, on a, from a partner engagement standpoint, still not looking too far out. I think our partners are, are looking to stay engaged with their members. You know, we're, we're working kind of on a month-by-month month basis to try and be as aggressive as we possibly can. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's still hard to, to look too far out um, uh, in, in terms of campaign activity. But you, you can be certain given the results we've been able to deliver, you'll continue to see campaign activity uh, through the course of 2021. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, I guess last one from me. Um, can you remind us the impact that you saw from the Canadian 
government wage subsidy program in Q4, and uh, it, you know, you said it was extended through June. Um, any sense of how much of a subsidy you would expect in Q1 and Q2? Yeah, hey, it's Eric again. So uh, we had 1.2 million in the fourth quarter, um, and that that program has been extended out until June 2021. So what we know right now is the funding formula up until uh, mid-March. Um, I wouldn't want to put a number on, on the dollar value for us just yet because it is really driven by, um, you know, top-line growth rates or decrease rates on a year-over-year -year basis. So I wouldn't want to put a number out there yet, but the funding formula looks pretty favorable for us in the first quarter. Extending out from March until June, that is still TBD. So, you know, they typically announce those details, um, you know, pretty close to when it takes effect. So we are still uh, waiting on that. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Our next question comes from Drew McReynolds with RBC Capital Markets. Please state your question. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good afternoon, uh, everyone. Probably t two for you, Eric. Uh, first, um, you know, you, you, the company suspended the buyback uh, earlier in, in 2020. Just can you give us some updated thoughts on, uh, you know, what's, what's required uh, to return to, uh, you know, some kind of uh, share repurchase and, and obviously um, the obvious answer is, is not at the moment given visibility, but, uh, you know, what, what are the kind of steps uh, you think the board kind of look at uh, uh, to reinstitute that one? And, I, I, you know, fully understandably not providing 2021 guidance. I, I don't think anybody is at all surprised on that one. Um, maybe thematically, can you speak to, you know, what, what your objectives, you know, could be uh, for 2021 uh, you know, whether it's, you know, positive EBITDA, positive cash flow, um, you know, what, what, what kind of financial kind of goalposts are you, are, are you looking for more thematically than, than obviously any specific range? Yeah, sure. And that, so I'll start with the uh, NCIB question and, and maybe I'll throw it off to Rob on the, um, on, on the second question. So I think you're right in terms of where you started with the NCIB. It is it is pretty challenging right now to put a date out there in, in terms of when we would want to restart that. I think our our focus right now is obviously preserving capital. Um, you know, it, it, it is a pretty challenging macro environment uh, right now. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say on a pre-COVID basis, we had our own internal hurdle rates in terms of ideal share price to buy back at. It's not something I would, I would share publicly. Um, so, you know, I'd say we're taking that quarter by quarter, but I would, I'd, I'd suggest that, you know, we're probably, uh, you know, a ways out from that still. Yeah, and then the second question, you know, rather than specific financial guidance, notwithstanding the, the request through, um, you know, thematically, I think of how we're trying to position the work we did back half of 2020 uh, and, and what we're kind of focused on right now. I think we have a, a belief and a sense as we speak to our industry partners around the world, there's a kind of a strengthening optimism around the second half of, of uh, 21. Uh, we're seeing some advanced booking, uh, you know, good advanced booking data in the Europe and Middle Eastern, in, in the Middle Eastern markets. You see the domestic activity in the U.S. 
starting to pick up a little bit. Um, so, you know, for us, it's as much as anything, we want to be ready to kind of capture all of that opportunity and that momentum as it appears, this recovery momentum. We, we felt for a long time it is inevitable that that will come. The pent-up demand, you know, you know we're, we're quite convinced is, uh, is pretty strong and pretty deep. But we're starting to see now the industry partners talk about the second half of the year in a, in a more optimistic way. So, you know, a lot of our energy and our effort is to really kind of build our footprint, be ready to capture that momentum, accelerate into the recovery. Um, you know, we continue to be confident that uh, loyalty will be at the front edge, front edge of the, the, the travel recovery, and so we just want to make sure we're, we're ready to kind of capture that. Uh, and so infrastructure activity that we're working on, uh, scale-based activity that we're, we're working on, all are things that um, should put us in a position to, you know, be at the front end of that uh, curve that I think finally starts going in the right direction. Okay, super. Thank you both. Thanks, Drew. Thank you. And just a reminder to ask a question at this time, press the star key followed by the number one key on your telephone keypad. And to remove yourself from the queue, you could press the star key followed by the number two. Our next question comes from Ed Wu with Ascendient Capital. Please state your question. Yeah, also congratulations on managing through COVID. My question is more on, you know, you did mention that you guys had a very good 2020 in terms of getting new partners, expanding products, 10% more products out there. Um, as uh, the industry um, you know, comes back and your partners become more optimistic, do you think that that's going to accelerate and you have even more products and partners launched in 2021 versus uh, last year? Hey, Ed, it's Chris. Um, you know, certainly our, our goal would be to try to beat uh, 2020 this year. Um, the, the actual cadence of the launches, uh, always vary a little bit quarter to quarter. But we're seeing, uh, to Rob's point, the, the program's focus obviously on immediate activity uh, potential, but they're also taking you know, a, a much more expanded view of the program and given the raised profile that they're all getting and figuring out you know, as things start recovering, then what's next? And that's another place where we're making sure that um, we're thinking ahead and trying to capitalize on that kind of investment. So I, I'd say Lots of services. I mentioned in, in my prepared remarks our new, uh, you know, kind of refer to it in here as, a, as one of our fintech services, uh, we, call, we call Accelerate Anything, um, which allows a member to basically choose to double or triple their, their miles or points that they earned during that month, in, independent of where they earned it, whether it's on a credit card or through a partnership or if they did some traveling. Um, so things like that are not travel dependent. Um, the partner can offload that entire infrastructure and service um, operating over to us, and, and obviously our, our platform is very efficient at, at adding those kind of new services um, onto the network uh, in a regular basis. So um, we're trying to see as many of those opportunities as possible to expand the cross-sell uh, potential, um, and then you know clearly the addition of new logos, new partners uh, to our uh, universe is, is always a, a focus. Um, and then on the pipeline, um, how much of it is focused on travel? I know you guys in the past have focused on you know, other sectors outside of uh, travel. Yeah, you, you know, for us particularly, you know, what's interesting when you think about the recovery that's ahead, 
Uh, we have a very good footprint on travel. I think if you see some of the partners that we've added, new partners that we've added here in 2020 have largely been travel-oriented. We still think you know, there are uh, really interesting opportunities on the travel side, both with uh, existing partners and with, the net new, with our net new partners. Uh, so you'll continue to see us uh, very active in, in travel uh, uh, for certain. Again, the most sophisticated players out there in terms of monetizing their loyalty programs, in understanding the economic opportunities around their loyalty programs, uh, and our, our uh, products and services you know, fall right in that sweet spot. Having said that, I think you know, progress that we're making around our, our platform initiatives where we continue to open up the platform to allow other interesting companies to tap into the travel industry and these massive bases of customers. Again, you know, between 800 million and a billion customer accounts that are connected to our um, loyalty platform. You know, there are companies like Lyft that we've been working with for some time that are very interested in, in uh, tapping into that. So you'll continue to see us uh, broadening the reach of the platform outside of travel, but more from the perspective, uh, perspective of tapping into the size and scale of the travel loyalty uh, marketplace. Great. Well, thank you for answering my questions, and good luck. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Our next question comes from Gary Presapino with Barrington Research. Please state your question. Yeah, you you mentioned something about that. You know, the back half of the year with your partners, you're starting to they're starting to be a lot more optimistic. Have, is, have you been given any thought to the fact that you know maybe this recovery comes back a lot stronger than what uh, would be expected, just simply because? there's probably going to be more personal travel versus business travel and, and just because of people being cooped up as much and then the logistics of, of trying to do some kind of a business meeting now uh, post-COVID, especially with Zoom and things like that, uh, it just may be a lot more difficult on the business side versus the personal side. Yeah, yeah Gary, I, I mean, it's probably – uh, a good question for uh, the CEOs of the airlines and hotels uh, that are reporting here in the next little bit. But what I can tell you is what we're seeing and we're hearing from our, our colleagues at the airlines and hotels, uh, and I think the way you characterized it is right. Um, we do see and expect um, leisure travel to be the, you know, the first, there seems to be cons consensus that leisure is the, the first part of the recovery. Domestic or regional travel is kind of uh, kind of tied into that. So, you know, domestic U.S. or or regional European, um, uh, et cetera. You know, we're seeing some some good signs and some good indications around transborder North America activity starting to pick up around this summer. Um, we think, in, you know, generally international travel will lag a little bit, although European. There seems to be trends that European uh, markets are opening up, uh, at least inbound, uh, into to the European marketplace. Um, a little less so North Asia. A little bit of what we, we hear is, is that's a little bit lagging. And then you're absolutely right. I, I think generally the, the commentary in the industry has been that business travel will be uh, a little bit later. Um, so, you know, we, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But I, I think that is starting to come in, you know, a little bit more into into uh, sight uh, because the messaging from whether it's senior hotel or senior airline um, executives seems to be pretty consistent along that story. 
Okay, thank you so much. Our next question comes from Jim Byrne with Acumen Capital. Please stay with us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, good afternoon, guys. Um, I think we've talked about this um, offline a few times, so I just wanted to touch base on, you know, your results kind of down 50% uh, or so. Obviously, airlines and lots of travel companies have been hit much harder, 80 90% drops. Um, you know, you've, you've built a broader base of, of products and partners. You know, at what point, you know, do you feel like you get back to kind of 2019 earnings level or, or gross profit levels? Is that a 50% rebound in travel? Is that an 80% you know, return to 2019 travel levels? I just wanted to get your sense on those. Yeah, I, I think the short answer is uh, I think we all wish we knew. Um, it, is, it really is hard to peg when that happens. Uh, you know, we, we've got a number of models, as you might expect, that we're running that, that uh, peg those recovery to kind of pre-19 levels uh, at different stages. It, it really, but we, wouldn't be, we wouldn't be able to give you a, a, a firm number or date on that. We're watching very closely for all the signs that you would expect. Um, but I, just to be very honest, we don't, we don't yet know, um, you, know, the, you know how sharp that recovery curve is going to be. I think our belief as a company, and certainly our airline partners and hotel partners, Generally, I would say there's a stronger belief that when the recovery starts, it will be rapid and it will, it will uh, come back faster than, than most people expect. I think, you know, generally our sense is that the pent-up demand is very, very deep. So, you know, we don't know when that trigger happens, but when it starts, our expectation is that it moves pretty quick. And it takes a Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to add to that. You know, the other the other thing to consider is, do you think we exited 2019 with a certain number of partners and, and services in market? Um, obviously, if we didn't do anything last year, then we'd get back to 2019 performance when the whole industry got back to 2019 levels. But, you know, as we've talked about, we've been really busy launching new products, not new services, cross-selling um, with, with current partners. So, we have more kind of in place now than we did uh, at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. So, you know, we would expect to get back there ahead of when the industry gets back, um, just because we have more uh, pieces of assets kind of at work uh, in the market. Yeah, okay, that's great. Um, and then maybe just a little on the Amadeus uh, relationship then. Um, just remind me if there is a timeline associated with that, and then if there's, uh, it's starting to bear fruit now. And I just wanted to know, um, you know, are you still as excited about that as you were when you first signed it? And, and um, you know, what do you see coming out of that over the next uh, year or two? Yeah, I think uh, you know we signed a long-term partnership, so we've been working at it two two years, and uh, basically just past two years now. Um, some of the new launches were right off the back of their relationships, uh, as we've talked about. Um, we're now probably more, you know, as focused on pipeline, but we're also now really focused on some co-product development with them. Um, and that's where I think some of the flywheel of that relationship will start bearing some fruit in that, you know, our access to embedded airline systems um, through their, you know, in partnership with them is just easier for us to do 
versus an ad hoc one-off every time we kind of um, present one of our partners with a new idea. It allows us to, to put in place uh, much more kind of industrial strength uh, solutions out the gate and then have their whole infrastructure uh, be open to, to sell it through. So we are, you know, and they're obviously looking to, to sell valuable things and introduce valuable services to their airline customers and ours happen to be those that generate strong economics for airlines. So it, it matches up pretty well with their needs and our needs and our airline partner needs. So we're excited about the prospects of some of the new services that we're co-developing right now, which was kind of the, the second leg of the stool that we always um, had in mind as we, we launched that partnership. Okay, that's great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And at this time, this concludes our question and answer session. I would now like to turn the call back over to Mr. McLean for closing remarks. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And thanks to everyone uh, for joining us today. We will look forward to updating you again in May as we report our first quarter results. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's teleconference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you all for your participation. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.